So welcome to an installment of Roman and You. Uh, I'm Nick. I'm, uh, I felt like I needed something to wear that wasn't just like a tank top and <laughs> a hat. So um, I put on my um, medal from the Automotive Heritage Foundation uh, that I got for, I believe, Harley Earl and the Corvette RCR story. Um, and yeah, that's, it's <laughs> kind of what it is, but, um, yeah, it is decently warm up here. I believe the high is getting up into the eighties, which is weird because the other night it was around the mid thirties. Uh, <laughs> hello, Corey, how you doing? Um, but yeah, oh, B-Man recovering from a dreaded full on brake job on my challenger with the Hellcat brakes. Damn. I do not even want to ask how much that's hit you back. So, um, but I hope all everything is well and I hope the car keeps trucking along and doesn't give you any more problems. Um, so yeah. Uh, so the reason I titled the podcast, this is because I was, um, reading auto week, right. And randomly, well, not randomly, because it's auto week. They're supposed to freaking say things. Um, they mention in their latest news story that the 2024 Mustang will have remote rev. And so I click on the article thinking like, oh, okay, maybe it's just like a joke article for some reason. Even though having remote rev is the most Mustang thing possible for a future Mustang. Um and in the article itself, it has a tweet from the official Ford Mustang account. And um, let me just read it verbatim. The tweet is, wake up family, friends, and bystanders from afar. Remote Rev is coming to the 2024 Mustang sports car. So they're actually promoting the idea that the, this is going to be something annoying. And it's something that's going to be used to annoy people. Uh, and in a way I'm kind of impressed with, um, Ford as a brand for having that level of self-awareness to know that, Hey, we're going to be implementing something that has the potential to be used to be really obnoxious. Um, and as a Mustang driver still, you know, I, I don't, I, I've tried to be as unobnoxious as possible while also understanding that in so trying i probably just end up being even more obnoxious um yeah Matto pretty much has the right of it which is that like it makes you or it makes your neighbors hate you basically and uh it's funny because like people immediately think along the lines of like oh well what happens if you accidentally um trip it in some way and apparently the thing, the fob works the way that it does if you say you want to take a screenshot on an Android phone, where you have to essentially press two buttons at the same time in order to get it to sort of rev remotely. Um, because the whole idea, realistically, is that, and I'm trying to come at this from the marketing standpoint, right? Because why would you make this? And realistically the reason that you would make this is because you know that mustang drivers never let 
other people drive their Mustang. And so they're never experiencing what the, the, what it sounds like from outside the cabin. Um, you know, at least that's the theory that I'm going with is that that's kind of how they're looking at it. And, but what's actually going to happen is that people are going to take this to car shows and they're going to be belligerent about how they're using it. And God forbid there's like more than one 2024 Mustang there and people just sort of rev right back and forth at one another. Um, well, I mean, I guess it doesn't have to be a 2024 to you know, like some, I, I could get into my Mustang and rev right back at him. I'm just not going to be able to do it from outside the cabin, which I mean, it's hilarious to me that they, there were actually people who thought about this and said, this is exactly what we want to do. And this is why we want to do it. Um, because there's no real rationale from a performance standpoint, you know, um, let me go down a little bit further. Um, so the five liter V8 hit 5,000 RPM, which probably sounded pretty good in that studio. And so like, it's essentially when this goes on sale in the summer, um, that's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a, a, a summer car, a, a make noise in your neighborhood car. But by the same token, it feels like a distraction in a way in that, you know, if we give you this noteworthy feature, this gimmick feature, this novelty feature, really, then, you know, I, I, I don't know. It, it's like, what would you, uh, I'm trying to think of like how to phrase it because basically what you're essentially doing is giving people license to create a negative perception of your brand because you're giving them this thing and telling them to use it responsibly, knowing full well that they won't. And it feels like it's meant to take some of the focus away from the whole argument of whether or not modern, like the Mach-E, actually counts as a Mustang because people feel like it's gradually getting away from us. This idea that internal combustion is going by the wayside and that by 2030, you know, they're going to come and take my car. They're going to like, and I mean, that's not going to happen, but by the same token, as electric cars become more accepted and the proliferation of the electric car uh, takes hold, then, you know, it's, it's just something that, automakers are kind of preparing for by presumably creating these gimmick features so that then you can sort of say, well, you know, here's something else that I'm getting. Now, granted, this isn't on a Mach-E, um, clearly, but the notion being that, you know, you we're still going to give you a little bit of novelty to keep our regular cars in the headlines as EVs take hold, because now like federal credits are going to uh, are are just something that more people are getting hold on you know it's it's because it's new cars but it's used cars too um and over time you know 
people are going to look at those tax credits as further incentive to just make the EV jump. I mean, if I had the money, I would, and if I had the space, like if I had a garage, I would probably consider it. Um, but it's not something that makes a whole lot of sense for me right now. Uh, so, I mean, and also like I, there aren't a lot of electric vehicles whose style I really like, um, because they all have the same weird, like crossover appearance. Um, but what's funny is that the Rivian was amazing. Like the Rivian that we reviewed, it was an amazing truck. Uh, that, that just, uh, I was so impressed because I was not anticipating that it's an incredibly fast truck, incredibly spacious, comfortable, the design, everything is intuitive. It's well integrated. Um, and so that really had me thinking of like, if I were, and it would be a complete pipe dream if I were ever in that price point, but that would be something I would consider, but it is at this crossroads between practicality and um and and sort of being superfluous but then like every truck is kind of superfluous unless you're using it for work you know if you don't have a pragmatic use for a truck then what possible reason is there to actually have one other than being gratuitous because you enjoy driving trucks you enjoy driving something with size if i had the means to be able to drive something with more size and not sitting so low to the ground or being as chintzy uh, as my mustang is sometimes i absolutely would do that so it's not a judgment but it's just an observation in that regard so um yeah i think i had some questions up there i don't think they were uh super chats but i still like to get to those um because, you know, you guys are paying me with your time. Um, let's see. <laughs> oh, we've got a lot of people just like ragging on the, the Mustang feature. It's like a big dick energy feature. Um, I love and hate the idea. Love it for the memes. Um, of course, it will be on automatics, right? <laughs> I have longed to establish my D-bag creds without having to be there in person. Thanks, Ford. Uh, someone at Ford must have seen an episode of Knight Rider and thought of the remote idea. <laughs> yeah, Knight Rider's been influential for decades now. Um, those upper-middle-class high school parking lots about to get even worse. Don't you know it, having come from an upper-middle-class high school. Um, although... I don't know. The parking lot was kind of nice in my high school. Like people weren't being jerks or anything. Uh, I guess I lucked out by going to high school with like a lot of really nice people. Um, but yeah. Uh, hi, Nick. You may remember me as the guy who inspired the Maslow hierarchy bit from the Toyota High Ace video. Oh, yes, I do remember you. Uh, thank you for that in inspiration. I think it worked out nicely. Um, quick question for you. What are your opinions on the modern Mustang styling, Mach-E included? Um, so I don't love how angry Mustangs ended up looking, that like weird scowl that they all seem to have um, just for the sake of looking more aggressive, because I feel like all cars look aggressive for whatever reason, and it just ends up everything ends up looking the same and we're already in a period of automotive design where things kind of created this like homogeneity um, that 
prevents certain like certain adventurous or daring design choices. I mean, even something like the Rivian isn't too far removed from, I guess, something like the Pontiac Aztec or uh, something like the Acura RSX in that sense of having the same boxy, curvy dimensions that modern cars tend to have that isn't really all that aesthetically appealing. But by the same token, I understand that as the design philosophy surrounding Mustangs changed, so too did the presentation, and or not presentation, the performance, so that, you know, it kind of looks a little bit softer as you begin integrating more EV-type design, because the EV design almost necessitates this rounded bulky aesthetic and so in the trade-off you kind of have to compensate where you can to make it look more aggressive over time and so um i mean i was on record for our mach -E review as having enjoyed it um to my mind it is a mustang it's just a different mustang in the same way that you know purists probably had an issue with fox bodies in the day or whatever i i don't even necessarily know it's just weird to me that like it, it would be weird to feel like i would be gatekeeping mustangs and what they are because i feel like that's kind of what evolution in the auto industry is it's change it's trying different things even if you end up walking them back after a while because they're not sustainable uh, as a feature, as a choice. So um, overall, I don't mind the Mach-E um, as a car. Aesthetically, I don't love how it looks, um, but that's just because for me, it looks too much like an SUV. It's too much like a, like a, I don't know, insert middle management profession here um, type car. It's just, it's not, it, it, it catches attention for almost the wrong reasons in that, like you see the little Mustang symbol, uh, you're about to ignore it. And then you see the Mustang symbol and then it catches your eye because you're like, well, why does that have a Mustang symbol on it? Oh, it's an EV. So, uh, but the performance wise, like, no no notes it's it's it is what it is but yeah um let's see uh scroll on down i wonder what's the best comparison to electric car transition from gasoline cars nothing that could come to my mind is similar um uh i would say like silent movies to talking pictures because when talkies started to come out, everyone thought it would be the death of cinema. Well, not everybody, but there were people who thought like, oh, that's never going to take off. You know, um, <laughs> just the idea that, oh, like cinema is going away because people will be able to hear what is being said. That's just weird to me. Um, <laughs> possibly the transition from films to television um, or radio to television, the idea that maybe television wouldn't really catch on in any meaningful way, which I think is kind of absurd. 
because why wouldn't people want visual stimuli in their own home at their convenience? Like, sure, radio's great. Um, I spent a lot of time as a kid literally listening to the radio at night in primetime hours of, you know, uh, it's strange. I used to fall asleep to Delilah, who was kind of like that relationship radio lady who would kind of play dedications that people had. Um, and I just found it very relaxing. And um, it's kind of how I fell in love with 80s music, that and Grand Theft Auto Vice City. I Because, yes, I was alive in the 80s, but I mean, I, I was not entirely cognizant of everything around me. Um, like, by 1989, I was like four years old, so isn't a whole lot to remember about it um let's see ionic six was a big surprise how sedan it is at the new york auto show oh that's right the new york auto show uh it's weird because we would go every year and now we're we're not because <laughs> that's like over um were there more people there than last year because there weren't that many people last year um in terms of automakers not literal attendees i just mean like a lot of the major brands didn't really show up um which is it kind of factored into our decision not to do it anymore um bionic five if i remember correctly was world car of the year at that show um last year so it wouldn't surprise me that they come correct with the ionic six um it doesn't even surprise me that it necessarily looks super sedan like because the ionic five kind of has that lean almost muscular sedan look which is not to say muscle car but just that it has a lot of the styling of the more traditional internal combustion car or sedan option um but yeah uh it's just interesting to me because a lot of the times the appeal for me of the new york auto show is being able to walk around without um having to worry about being in people's way <laughs> but on top of that is um with re free refreshments because i'm a very very simple man so um nissan was giving out like marshmallows with the nissan logo imprinted on it and it literally looked for all the world like a little airpods case um and yeah that was enough to keep me happy like feed me coffee and i'm happy uh but yeah um so starlight alchemist adds the disliking of aggressive styling is understandable to be honest but like a body style in my opinion it's just become a normal trend to build new styles off of hmm it's a good point um remembering the average driver sees cars as appliances rather than a piece of art um that's true uh bogdan um i mean not everybody views cars as art in the same way that not all people view art as instructive um which i guess okay not all art is instructed sometimes art exists just for its own purpose um it doesn't have to illuminate anything um let me get a light on in here because now the sun is starting to go away oh that's right i turned it off from here ah Ugh, taking off the metal, starting to chafe my neck. Oh, oh, there we go. 
uh, I didn't wear this shirt on purpose. I just, but I don't mind that I did because now it gets to maybe trick people into thinking I'm in shape. <laughs> um, let's see. You can't go more than like five minutes without uh, talking mess about yourself, Nick. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> um, so let's see. Bogdan Oros goes on to say, uh, but now we're starting to get into the psychological subconscious analysis from a marketing standpoint. Know your target demographic. I mean, yeah, I think a lot of the things that we um, ascribe to consumers is how marketing works. You figure out what your base wants and then you give it to them. And <laughs> that's not always going to be the correct prediction. You know, I don't think that automakers necessarily could have predicted the SUV boom in the late nineties and early two thousands, you know, it's, but in a way, I think it's a continuation of the notion that you know, automakers were kind of caught off guard by the rise of imports and the rise of, you know, the minivan and all these different things that sort of came along at a certain time um, that in that were reflections of what the public was really into, right? Because imports took off because they were smaller, cheaper, better gas mileage. Um, minivans took off because the economy was... or, or, or re Imports took off for those reasons, right? But it was also reflective of the time period because it was during the uh, the oil crisis of the 70s. So, you know, um, naturally, consumers are going to gravitate towards vehicles that reduce their reliance on fuel. Um, and then in the 80s, the economy corrected and people were having bigger families over time and that's how you get the minivans and everything and then in the 90s you know it's kind of the same thing i want to say where you just have um a decent economy and people who are wanting largesse but not like gargantuan size they there has to be some kind of a the middle ground between a van and a sedan and that's kind of what you get with an suv and then people find that yes i can have size but i can also kind of have something equating performance there too so you see those things become more important and all automotive sort of hype and success is a reflection on the time in which it was manifested so that you see EVs taking off now. Well, look at what gas prices are. Um, and other, it's, it's just always going to be like this. It's always going to be this uh, give and take and push and pull between automakers and the consumers to whom they're trying to appeal. So yeah, that's kind of how it goes. I don't even know, remember how I got on that. Uh, sorry. Um, but yes. Marcus King, on the subject of the Mach-E, I believe, uh, says, it's a Mustang the same way the new Jeep Cherokee replaced the XJ. A very different version, not true to the original characteristics. 
They could have gone EV and kept true to the spirit. That's a fair opinion. You know, it's not necessarily something I would disagree with because even if I ended up having a different experience with the Mach-E, just because I know that there are people who feel that the Mach-E doesn't capture the essence of the Mustang, but like for me personally, it does if for no other reason than for how it performs for the straight line acceleration that I experienced for things like just the overall characteristic of aggression. You know, it's very weird. Like it has a very imperious stance it's it it looks like it wants to loom in front of you and over you like it's encroaching into your personal space it's a very strange thing that you don't really get from it when you just see it on the road in traffic but like when you're up next to it it's weirdly like confrontational i don't know how to explain it um but it's the same type of vibe that I get from other Mustangs. And actually I get more from like Dodges really <laughs> like a Hellcat or something. But I mean, in that way, I kind of feel like it hovers around a generally Mustang esque spirit, but I don't have any arguments with people who feel like that's BS, you know, cause Mustangs are supposed to be more throaty, more powerful, more, um, tactile and 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 just punchy i i don't know how else to put it but eh, let's see these more prop planes jennings hey howdy folks um Noodles Extra MSG says uh, 2023 New York International Auto Show had a lot more makers. Mazda didn't show, though. Odd since the CX-90 launch. Uh, that's a good point. It's odd that they wouldn't show, right? I mean, you would think that that would be one of the, the crown jewels of the show, if for no other reason than because I've been seeing, like, right, I literally right here on my tablet have a write-up about oh the, 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 the new fucking cx and so just the idea that i don't know um why they wouldn't show other than that they ran the numbers and realized it wouldn't really be cost effective for them to be at the new york international auto show this year i have no idea um but hey whatever live life um, huh, didn't realize Roman had ink. Yeah, not a lot of people do because I always wear like very long shirts. Um, in all weather, for fancy oh two dollars for fancy water or Lacroix, get the ball rolling. Thank you so much for your donation. Um, this I just I think it's Giant brand. Um, because of this little symbol, it doesn't say Giant, but I'm pretty sure like Giant brand store brand uh products have that on there um not giant eagle just giant i don't know how many states actually have giant but maybe it is related to giant eagle i have no idea um but yeah uh let me go down here joe oppo apo says gm is planning on making a corvette suv i feel like people will be less upset when that comes out compared to how angry enthusiasts were with the Mach-E. 
that's one opinion where like I actually do kind of disagree no even though it's a good point like and a fair point because Mustang people myself being one of them um or I guess you can debate how much I can be driving a V6 but um in a general sense it feels like we collectively get mad at stuff and find things to get mad about. Um, but I still, I feel like an EV Corvette would get way more hate than an EV, the EV Mustang has gotten, the Mach-E has gotten. Um, just because people have such an ingrained notion of what a Corvette is and what it can be and what it can't be that, you know, I remember early RCR, the amount of like negative comments we would get for ripping on Corvettes. Now, granted, it wasn't the, the exact number of like, I think in terms of the hate we would get, the most would be for any BMW car. Like people would absolutely come unhinged at us um in emails and on reddit and other places for talking mess about bmws um and i guess some motorcycles uh but um you'd also see it with regards to corvette drivers and it's because i feel like a lot of corvette drivers um in a way that mustang drivers probably don't um argue so hard or rail so hard against um others perception of us i feel like corvette drivers kind of do they they resent being portrayed as a midlife crisis car or a car for that isn't really for performance that it's just for getting the rocks off of old men and the unadventurous uh and so i feel like and EV Corvette would end up occupying this realm where Corvette drivers would feel like Chevy is opening up a pathway for them to be further made the subject of ridicule. Uh, it's like, hey, you're making us look bad. Uh, or, hey, I want to be able to support you, but you're making it hard. It's like people freaking out about who's on a Bud Light can. It's weird. But again, like, I don't actually know that that's how people are going to react. It could just be projection on my end because I see how people reacted to the Mach-E and I want to believe that for as bad as Mustang people can be with regards to defending territory, that Corvette drivers would somehow be worse. But I don't actually know. So, yeah. Um, let's scroll 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 uh oh it's matto 299 thank you so much for store brand sweet carbonated beverage thank you so much um i gotta talk to brian about the doing our non-stop live stream of uh Kraftwagen, the uh automotive history themed board game um so that we can raise money for travel and for me to get another car. Uh, 
again, if I were smart, I would just do a GoFundMe and call it a day, but I don't feel like I deserve it. And I don't feel like people would actually donate just because it would be sort of like, a, oh, he's so far up his own ass for doing this. Oh, look at him e-begging. Um, it would make my life insanely easier. But I understand that like, I don't always get easy and that's not always what we get to have as people. Um, so what I want to do is be able to provide something that would give you some kind of value. So I don't feel like you're just giving me something for nothing. So I wanted like me, Brian, and potentially two other friends would just get together, live stream this board game and hopefully raise money that way. And it'll be all gravy. Um, cause otherwise I'm basically like, I'm going to save here and there as much as I can, but life is not at a situation right now where I think I can make a, a different car happen. And if I could go back in time, I never would have made the whole like, Hey, I'm selling Betty thing. Um, just because I thought like, I don't know, I was optimistic and I thought like, I don't know, just things popped up that required the money more than a car would. Um, or so, you know, cause I just got my CPAP, I had to pay for that. I had to pay for, you know, just accounting all these, all these other, I don't know why I'm going through my books with you guys. It's not important, but, um, I'm just explaining where I'm at. And also, um, why I'm so excited about Monday, because it is a new episode of RCR stories. It is uh, just under two hours long. Um, I think it's like a minute for, or an hour 45. Um, I'm really excited to share it with you guys. And hey, if you want to help out that way, um, I believe that like YouTube has a tip function that allows people to tip directly onto videos that they like, sort of like a super chat, but it's not like live. Um, I mean, for whatever that's worth, uh, but barring that, you know, just when it drops, share it, engage with it. And, um, hopefully that will, um, help, you know, like leave a comment, leave a like, leave a subscribe, uh, tell other people to do the same. Um, just so that we can sort of get to a point where, um, RCR stories can happen more frequently than they do. Um, just because, I don't know. Like it's, I, I'm trying to make them happen more frequently, but that's not always feasible. So, um, cause I, other things require my attention with RCR, you know, like we have a shoot this weekend. We have like other stuff to do. I have to finish up the Delaware review for this channel. Um, so yeah, there we go. Uh, the one K E A, um, Good evening, Roman. I found a 2002 Toyota Avalon XLS with 198,000 miles for three grand in Butler, New Jersey. Are you ex still accepting leads on affordable, reliable daily driver vehicles, or have you already found it? No, I've not found it. I will be accepting leads on cars and um, leads on future RCR story suggestions uh, for as long as you feel like giving them to me. So regular cars, the Roman at gmail.com. I do get a lot of them. I read every single one. Please know that I read every single one of them. I just don't have the time in the day to respond to every single one. So 
I mean, just bear with me. I, I, I might be able to respond. I might not, but please know that every email is read and appreciated and just thank you. Um, let's see. Uh, people are so touchy when you rag on the vehicles they own and drive. Even non-enthusiasts get their hackles up when you criticize their cars. It's true. Um, but I get it because it feels like it's a reflection on you as a person. And that's not really what we're trying to do. We're making a supposition based on not always empirical evidence or data, but a lot of it comes from personal experience of people we've encountered. Um, so that when we create a character of a certain type, it's not just coming out of the ether. Like that doesn't mean it's based on a specific person. It just means that it's, it's, it can sometimes be an amalgam of people we've come across in our lives and who, whom we've met over time in reference to a certain car. Um, so yeah, uh, that's kind of how that, um, goes. Let me go down. Keep scrolling. Keep on scrolling. Uh, sell customized roast my car to each donor and post a compilation as content. I mean, that's honestly not a bad idea. And someone else says another video's regular roasting subscriber cars would be absolutely hilarious. You know, it is getting to be car show season. So um, it's um, pretty much the time of year to start making car show videos again. So I hope we'll be able to do that. I have a craft show coming up on, um, I believe June 10th. I'll announce the actual location, but it's a car show craft show, or it's a craft show and a car show. So I'm going to be there, um, selling crafty things with my girlfriend. And, um, I am, going to offer RCR merch to anybody who comes by and says hi and buys something. And I'll, I'll just throw in RCR merch for free. Like, and it's RCR merch that I had made that wasn't like officially for sale, but I kind of just made for myself, like bumper stickers and lots of cool stuff that like just isn't out there. Um, and then I ended up never using. So yeah. And then, um, so I'll just give that away. Uh, and then at the end of June, we're actually having a fan meet, uh, Cars and Coffee, um, at the Too Many Games Festival in Oaks, Pennsylvania, followed by a panel that we'll be doing in the show itself, not to be announced or determined. Um, so, yeah. Let's see. Um, Oh, and that answers Farmer John's uh, comment uh, about uh, um, if we're having a meetup or a car show. Um, the car show uh, is going to be in Pennsylvania because um, that's where we're based out of. Um, that's kind of like the thing with us is that because we're not really like, I don't know, we're not 
in the most metropolitan of areas, although I guess we are kind of close to Philadelphia. And um, yeah, it's, it's something where I think over time, um, I'd love to be able to travel and do meets in different places because we did that before with our Toronto meetup and um, yeah. Oh, let's see. Uh, Patrick McFarlane, $10. Grad student with a pitch for you. Cool if we can't at Oaks. I don't know what you mean. Um, like, is it cool to pitch it to me if you don't make it to Oaks? Because you're you're free to pitch anything you want to me anytime you want. Uh, it's regularcarstheroman at gmail.com. Or you can just post in here in this chat uh, if you don't mind sharing it. But um uh, oh, cool if we chat at Oaks. Yeah, absolutely. Just come say hi. Um, I'm, that's kind of like what I love about meets is literally the amount of people that I get to meet and say hi to and thank for watching the show um, because you've allowed me to have a job for close to 10 years now. And I, I just, I'm so, I'll never stop being grateful for that. And so, yeah, if you want to like chat, at Oaks, throw a pitch. Uh, absolutely, totally down. Um, future updates about this will probably be posted on our RCR um, socials. So um, follow Brian on Twitter at Regular Cars. Um, on the YouTube page, we will probably post like a discussion there. Like, you know how, like sometimes on your feed, you'll see like little, almost like status updates from a channel that will pop into your feed. Usually this happens on mobile. Um, that's probably where it would go. Um, if we remember, uh, we'll probably put it in a video proper. Um, the problem is that this will be happening fairly early in the morning. Um, so that I don't know how far out of town or out of state people are going to want to come for something that starts this starts and ends so early, but it's kind of the necessity of how we're doing it because our meets end up being a thing where like, we don't like um, generally like setting up the space ourselves, we sort of glom onto an, another event that's already happening so that people are going to be there anyway. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I just, I don't know. Um, it would be very nice to see as many people as possible. It would be a thrill. Um, but by the same token, I'm not like really expecting a whole lot of people. I don't know. I want to say it's going to be like an eight or 9 AM start time around there. So I don't know. I guess we'll see. Uh, but yeah. Um, hey, hi, car puting. Uh, good to see you. And thanks for the kind words. It's Matto 3099 Australian. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Um, you said, would you consider doing tour shirts for RCR Australia and future international adventures, or even release shirt designs from old road trips? I need a shirt that says Pacific Fister on it. Um, I did a design for a shirt that was um, an RCR tour shirt 
from before we actually went on like the Pacific Fister and all that other stuff, but we didn't have like a fulfillment center or any sort of like way of making them. But like we literally just had a red bubble. Now I realize that like I, you actually can do a lot with like a Zazzle or like a Teespring. Um, so I'm going to look into that. But for now, what we just have is what's on our official website at regularcarreview.com, singular. Um, but hopefully, like, if I get the time, like, I really want to start, like, designing stuff and hopefully turn that into something because I have so many ideas and I just haven't implemented them yet. And I feel like I'm just, like, sitting on a potential gold mine and missing out. So I really have to do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, let's see. I know what it's like to glom on to something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. As far as uh, the, have you and Mr. Regular discussed the implications of chat GPT yet? I'll be very interested in a meta RCR story where the two of you deliver an interspersed impassioned monologue on the topic. Um, what's, uh, well, we haven't, spoken about it per se but i am kind of chat gpt isn't what i'm interested in what i'm interested in is like the ai voice cloning um if for no other reason than because of the potential for it to take away my least favorite part of making rcr stories which tends to be um recording it because then i have to go and edit out all the bad takes I got to edit out all of my breaths. I have to futz around with the pitch and the sibilance and try to like cut out all these other things. Whereas if it were just AI and I could just clone my own voice and then enter a script and have a computerized voice, read it for me perfectly every time that already sounds like me and potentially a better version of me because they don't have a lisp. Um, that would be great. The only downside, I guess, would be the uncanny valley nature of it all. Like I, something that sounds like me, but kind of doesn't. Um, but another thing is like, if Brian's voice were cloned and this is, one of those things where I always told Brian, like back when I first started doing solo videos for the channel and was getting like a really bad reception for not having like the best speaking voice or at least not having Brian's speaking voice that I'm like, I just wish there was a technology where like I could read and it would be your voice. And I'm like, that kind of exists now where I, you know, if for whatever reason, uh, you know, I, I, I had a, a clone of Brian's voice and I could just feed whatever script that I was working on for a solo video into that. And just, it would be like Brian narrated it and he wouldn't have to take any more time out of his already busy schedule to do it. He'd just have to sign off on the permission for it. But it is a very slippery slope because then you, you end up in this place where you can't trust anything you know, um, where you already see it now with how many people thought that Drake and Weekend song was legit. And it's not, <laughs> but it sounds like it would be because it's not just about the voice. It's about the writing behind it. It's like, you know, it sounded like Drake, but it sounded like Drake bars too. Like those were 
lines that it's plausible Drake would have written. And that's where things get scary because it's not just doing like, oh, we're going to do an AI of Harry Styles covering ceilings by Lizzie McAlpine, or we're going to do Kanye West covering Hey There Delilah. You know, it's we're creating art from whole cloth that is indistinguishable from what the artists would make themselves. And that's dangerous. Uh, well, it's dangerous to profits, but it's an intellectual property. What's more dangerous is the implication that it could have for, you know, fooling your aunt on Facebook who already believes everything she sees online, but now it's actually going to look plausible. So I don't know. I guess we'll see. Um, uh, Dude, Mr. Roman, how's about trying out RCR fans for voiceovers? We like your voice, but maybe also switch it up, but please let it be humans. <laughs> um, I don't think we're doing any of that. I think the only time we let um, a fan voice an episode was when our intern, Ben Wright, did an interview. Um, he was our intern a few years back. Um, I forget the car he did or that he voiced over, but it got a pretty good reception, all things considered, at least if I remember correctly. Um, could we get an RCR stories on Tata? Um, that's one that I've actually considered before. Um, I'm not sure how much I could get out of it lengthwise, but the more I think about what, what RCR story I want to do next the less plausible it is for me to do Michelle Mouton, which is who I was thinking of doing. I was thinking of just calling it like goddess of the grid and doing her history as a race car driver. And it's not because she doesn't have an incredibly fascinating story, but it's just because a movie literally just like an Emmy winning television documentary literally just came out about her life in 2022. And Sure. Like, I don't believe that if I make something, it necessarily has to improve upon what's already out there, but I do think it has to be different in some meaningful way. And I don't know that it would be. Um, so I'm wondering if like Tata might make more sense as a, a pivot. Um, I don't know. Uh, Twice as long as needed, and a bunch of let's see, hanging on another. Yeah. Apparently, I uh, because I'm signed in to the regular enrollment account, I'm uh, getting YouTube notifications about comments on videos on this channel, and I think one of them might have been like a, a critical comment, and so I'm just like, yeah, not reading that right now. Uh, <laughs> It's, it's, it's something where, you know, it's all part of learning and growing, right? Because everything is about trying to figure out um, what people actually want from your content. Uh, and I don't mind criticism as long as it's like actually uh, constructive, you know, like it's actually, because I think I've learned a lot from people who kind of said, well, if you do it this way, how about doing it this way instead of like, here's the idea, but 
also like it, like it doesn't have to be a compliment sandwich it, it just has to be like hey you know this didn't really work how about doing this you know that's fair but um let me see what else is in the news which is the let's see what else is in the news is the death of every podcast but also the death of every stand-up comedy set um it, 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 it yeah let's see the epa released its list of eligible battery electrics plug-in hybrids and fuel cell vehicles on monday just before the tax deadline as of today certain new vehicles such as the 2023 jeep grand cherokee trailhawk 4xe and 2023 jeep wrangler rubicon 4xe are eligible for federal tax credits of $3,750 or $7,500. Um, used battery electric and plug-in hybrids also qualify for credits up to $4,000. That's kind of a big deal, representing an additional incentive that could pull in more first-time first EV and PHEV uh, drivers, uh, buyers, whatever. I don't know how to talk. Talking is hard. Uh, so I do wonder if people um, want... EVs to really take over in the sense of do they actually view the credits that they would get as worthwhile enough to want to make the jump in the first place? Uh, I mean, if I were getting paid to drive, well, hmm, I don't know. It's not the same necessarily as being paid to drive something, but, um, Eh. Did you follow season three of Picard? Those two final eps were just, oh man, I have not. Um, really, the only Star Trek I, I ever got into was Deep Space Nine. Um, I mean, I'm sure the rest of it is great, too. I, I just, I've never watched, I guess. Um, you should contact one of the professors of computer science and IT at Kutztown University and see if they have any active research work in progress on voice cloning. You get your voice AI if you're lucky. Maybe. Um, I know it's funny to say as an RCR fan, but EVs aren't the ideal future of transportation. Doing away with cars is. Um, that is a fair point. I mean, I, I know that there are a lot of people who have hopped on the high-speed rail bandwagon in a way, um, which I completely get. Uh, and even in your subsequent comment, Southpaw, uh, talking about walkable cities, public transit, uh, cycling infrastructure. I mean, Brian and I, when we were in Nashville a few years back, um, we got uh, on like scooters that we just rented and, you know, it, we were just zooming around all of Nashville and it was great. Um I don't know how sustainable it would be as a mode of daily transportation, but, and I don't know to what effect it's any less of an obstruction to um, other people, because really like when you're done, you kind of just leave them wherever. Um, and then somebody comes and gets them. But the issue I guess is always that you're running into um being an obstruction in some way to other people. Um, a message. Show. 
I love how like the only messages held for review are it's Maddo's because he swears in them. Like God forbid you swear on the internet. Uh, keep an eye on Lucid Air test drives in Queens, New York, cars and coffee. If you guys are willing to come to the New York City hellscape, I miss New York City. Um, I really do, and I need to go back sometime. Um, I would love to go to New York Comic Con again, but I just can't swing it. Um, uh, cars will always be a necessity. Public transportation is 100% key and should be the focus and primary mode of transportation, but we can't discard automobiles completely. Yeah, people, you know, they view it as an instrument of their freedom and their autonomy, their freedom of movement. And if you're reliant upon other people for transportation, whether it's a bus driver, an Uber driver, a Lyft driver, um, a train conductor, yeah, you know, it's like, you're giving up your autonomy in a way and it's beholden to whether or not th there's transport available you know it's like being a kid again almost uh getting a ride from your older brother or sister or from your mom or your dad or your uncle or your aunt or from a friend anybody who has wheels that can help you out and Yes, it's better for the environment, but it's and and it's probably cheaper too. Um, but it's less convenient. And I think the world turns on convenience. It's it, they live or die on how accessible and how much easier life is being made through manifesting these different outlets of transportation so electric vehicles will catch on more when they become convenient and when the people of the lowest income level are able to drive them and when the infrastructure gets to be so good that people living in an apartment can drive them that you don't need your own garage um that you know changing your car battery is as easy as changing the battery in your Amazon fire remote. Not that I know that it would ever get to that point, but it's just things would be, I don't, I don't know. It has to reach a level of convenience that outstrips the inconvenience of say, having to remember to charge your car to where remembering to charge the car is cheaper than having to remember to go get, stop and get gas like that type of thing like it's i know that there are other barriers in the way like range anxiety and all that stuff but you know people are always going to find a reason to detract or to talk themselves out of something that in the abstract might seem like a good idea um but yeah um high-speed rail doesn't make sense for rural americans I live in a small town in Montana. Ain't nobody building high-speed rail out here. It's not cost-effective. Cars are king. Um, yeah, that's kind of like... It's different because that was kind of the similar argument for like high-speed internet of like who's building it way out in the boonies but or, or who's making it available out there. High-speed rail, I don't know that... It, yeah, like it only makes sense if it's cutting through an area like that rather than making a stop there um but i do feel like 
it's all a symbiotic relationship. Like the subsidizing high-speed rail creates, I don't know, creates jobs and it juices the economy. And um, I don't know, maybe people decide to sell their cars because high-speed rail has become a more useful form of transportation more easy and straightforward and so now the used car market's getting a little better there are more options that are low cost and not insanely overpriced and subject to predatory loans that have you on the hook for a decade of your life for a car that costs maybe a fraction of what you end up paying for it um but those are all suppositions that i don't know how to prove because <laughs> i'm not as smart as i probably could be so yeah. Um, hello, Airhead Aviator. Um, Once you experience the Japan rail system, you're hooked. It's extremely well done and works. Japan has always been a bucket list location for me. I've always wanted to go there. Ooh. I mean, I thought, like, I, I mean... I could die happy because I've been to England, which is a kind of a weird thing to say. I feel like people in England would probably think that's a ludicrous thing to say. It'd be like, you know, I've been to Pennsylvania. I can die now. But I always wanted to go to the UK since I was a little kid. Um, and yeah, I just, I was incredibly happy to be there. I loved every minute. It was a small town village. Um wasn't really like big city vibes. It was very small town vibes. I adored it. Um, yeah. And I just, I would love to have a similar experience with Japan, but in the opposite direction of go full metropolitan, go into the city, do all that cool stuff. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah. That shit works in Europe. Holler at me when we're crisscrossed with trains. We're a lot bigger than Europe and Japan, bruh. Make it work. I like my cars. Fair opinion. Fair opinion. Um, Finding Mercer writes, lived car-free for years. It was great. No gas, insurance, maintenance. I could sleep on my commute. Didn't have to worry about parking, etc. Agree that it is difficult with U.S. density and zoning. Um... Yeah, that, that is the difficult part, is that the landmass itself, the density of the population, um, like it's feasible for other places in ways that it isn't for here. And uh, I don't know when or if it ever would be at a, a widespread way you know like it would just be contained to regions of the u.s but i don't know that we're getting like i don't know making it work where it's everywhere necessarily of course people probably felt that same way about the interstate highway system so who knows um see east coast u.s is definitely dense enough midwest could use higher speed and fewer stops it's actually amazing how far you can get around city via bus greyhound rail and bike um well yeah i i can believe that um 
I'm not going to lie, there is also anxiety in public transport. I've seen way too many videos of people freaking out on the train, bus, etc., and that's worrisome. Yeah, that is kind of a factor that doesn't get um, taken into discussions of how it could be good for us to make public transport more accessible, which is to say, or make it more um, commonplace to do. Uh is the public side of public transport because essentially what we're what we have is a society that perhaps due to the pandemic but perhaps due to the overly technological lean is less personable i almost want to say at least in my experience that i've seen and i admit that i'm kind of the same way too we tend to not really want to interact with each other we like working from home or i like working from home a lot of the time i like we like just being able to keep to ourselves and even if we're not conscious that we're doing it like if we're on our phone a lot and in a way it allows us to shut out the world so that it's the old Bob Dylan thing of like, if his hood is up, then don't talk to him or the Pete Wentz thing. If the hood is up, don't talk to him. If the person's on their phone, just they don't want to be bothered. But by the same token, how else are we supposed to ever connect with each other? How else are we supposed to interact with each other? Um, like as an adult, I, I, I've kind of forgotten how to make friends. And if we're not in a workplace, if we're not like, like an office or something, um, if we're not going to bars, if we're not like, how do you meet people to strike up friendships, to, have relationships to end up just going from acquaintances to people who actually remember each other's birthdays you know so um i don't know but it is distressing to have the potential for an outburst on a public transport to for having a confrontation with some other person or being subjected to something that you maybe didn't want to see. And that's kind of the, I guess the risk of being in public at all, but, and interacting with other people at all, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's something that we are gonna have to deal with over time. I don't think there's a point in our society where we can completely retreat into our own space and never have to deal with anybody because that's just not feasible, you know? Um, so let's see, what time is it? It is currently 8.16. All right, I'll keep going till like, let's say 8.30. Um, Southpaw, China's is super standardized. Everything is the same, but in a good way. It works really well. Built it up insanely fast as a result. I assume you're talking about the high-speed rail, I think. 
Um, Airheaded Aviator says, that's an important point. The interstate highway wasn't a forever. Zoning and state lines were a barrier of those defeated. Why not trains or other options? Fair. Uh, BC says, nobody wants to ride the train, bus, public transportation. Some people don't belong in public or behind the wheel. Dilemma? I don't know. I guess it goes person by person, really. Um, the one KEA. I live next to the Northeast Corridor and have used it to travel into and out of Washington, D.C. It's a fantastic way to travel and avoid the stress of driving. I would love to ride a Keystone train. Um, totally understandable. It's a way to reduce stress if you don't mind being around other people. Uh, so, yeah. Working at Cheats, I see and sell beer to so many people with ignition interlock licenses. Oh, man, Cheats. Um, it's, it's half the people I've ever known have all worked at sheets at one point or another. It's one of the, I do wonder to what extent, like if you ranked Pennsylvania employers, like how many, what percentage of Pennsylvanians have worked for sheets at some point in their lives. Um, let's see. The more I learn about or a rational dive says, the more I learn about fixing cars, the more I resent the fact that people in most cities here in the USA need them. Making something so expensive a basic necessity in dense areas is messed up. Um, yeah, it's true. I mean, like, you look at New York City, and it's to the point where, like, I wonder why anybody drives in New York City uh, or owns a car in New York City, just because the just the clutter and the crunch of density. I, I just it's huge stress all of the stress and so i almost feel like it'd be a waste of money to have a car in a big city but again some people need that freedom of movement to not have to rely on somebody else to get to where they need to go when they need to go there um so i get it uh yeah papillon cycles says mass transit needs density to work suburbs lessen density suburbans like cities but not in suburbia mass transit costs suburbia doesn't like cost um yeah that's a pretty succinct way of putting it um yeah uh mr headcrab says it's like anything most likely the people you see day to day are normal and benign but the super rare wackadoos end up on the news. So everyone assumes that's the normal rather than the exception. Um, fair point. Uh, and, and it further ties into the subsequent com comment by Airheaded Aviator, who says, is it, you know, like, paraphrasing, is it any more distressing than someone seeing someone freak out in their car on the public road? I mean, you know, if you see someone freak out in a bus or a train, you know, it's not like that's the only place you can encounter that sort of thing, um, because road rage is a factor. I mean, for crying out loud, one of the biggest shows on Netflix right now is called Beef, and it's tied into, like, a road rage incident. And so I think road rage has that same, or possibly, well, almost certainly like a more intense and immediate um burst of distress so that there is the feeling of being threatened um 
Of course, I don't know that because if you encounter somebody on a bus or a train who is a very immediate threat to you, then, you know, at least in a car, there's some separation there. But eh, it's all about navigating a world that is not always as conducive to harmony as we would like. Um, Roman, thank you for your frankness, man. You got our respect for doing this because it's outside of your zone. It enriches us all whenever you do this. You're awesome, man. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. That was a very kind comment. Um, uh, Southpaw, shout out to Harrisburg. They've been doing so much good stuff there for pedestrian and cyclist infrastructure and safety. Um, I have a soft spot for Harrisburg. I've always liked it. Um, I don't go there enough, really. Uh, but I guess I'll be there in the holiday season for the holiday show at the Harrisburg Farm Show Complex, I believe. I'll have to look it up. Um, but yeah, going to be selling some stuff there. Uh, let's see. But yeah, I'd rather go toe-to-toe on a train. More intimidating to me would be when someone gets out of their car. Uh, makes my hair stand up thinking about what they could brandish getting out of their car. That's from Oldsmobile Thompson. Um, fair. You know, um, I think that's something where people uh, tend to um, assess certain dangerous situations in different ways um, that, you know, maybe it makes more sense to be behind the wheel of a car and to mitigate threats by literally like pulling to the shoulder, making a turn, separating yourself as much as possible versus being in a public transport space where there's really no separation between you and an aggressor so um yeah so i'm just scrolling which I'm sure makes for riveting radio um, or podcasting. But last couple minutes, um, about seven minutes uh, by my estimation. Um, I don't know. I hope you guys have enjoyed our little chatting session. Um, Let me see what else I had saved on here. Uh, Oh, another EV truck brand has just started production from Sweden, using Steer Automotive to produce the Zero, the Volta Zero. Hmm. So they were launched in the Swedish startup, launched in 2019. That is, uh, hmm. We'll have very little competition in this segment in Europe, as Rivian, Arrival, Canoe, and Bright Drop are all focused on U.S. sales for now. So I guess the idea is like get this thing up and running in Europe and then build a name and then port it over to the United States with a lot of um, with a lot of fanfare. Uh, Papillon Cycles says, oh, uh, by the way, I've seen no kidding seven Rivians in the last two weeks. Um, That is it's interesting to me. I, I keep saying that it's interesting, but um the weird sort of i forget the name of the effect where you know you've encountered something and now you keep encountering it because now you're noticing i suppose 
like I started to see a lot of Rivians too, but that was because we recently reviewed one. I'm sure I had seen a bunch of them and just never clocked it. And now I am actively clocking it and not without a certain amount of jealousy because those were great trucks. They really are something special. Um, Oh, what have we here? Ram recalls, well, smooth. Um, Ram recalls 131,700 trucks for stalling problem. Huh. So it's on the pickups with the 5.7 liter e-torque engines. Um, basically, the powertrain control module can cause an over-rich condition in the cylinders, which could make the uh, truck stall. So, yeah, they plan on notifying dealers. Ram plans on notifying dealers and customers on June 2nd, which today is much earlier than June 2nd. And so maybe if they're not notified, but they follow the news, they'll be able to pick up on it. But um, Streisand effect. Thank you. Um, let's see. Rivians are interesting, but I'm not a fan of the proprietary charging mentioned on the RCR episode. Um, yeah, I'm not a fan of proprietary charging in that regard either because it tends to lock out other potential avenues of growing the infrastructure. So, for instance, and, and don't get me wrong, like I get why they do it. It's a competitive measure, but if the goal is to make electric vehicles more accepted, then it's working at cross purposes with that goal. So for instance, like all the Wawa's here have Tesla chargers and it would not surprise me to learn that it were some sort of exclusive deal. I don't know that, but I'm just saying if it were, I would understand it and it wouldn't surprise me, but for the sake of argument, let's say it is. And if it is, then you're locking out other potential EV chargers. So now what are you going to do? You wait for potentially some aftermarket converter to come along that will allow you to charge at a Tesla station or something. I don't know, like, like some sort of attachment for your car that allows it to accept a Tesla charger. But, I, I like I get that it's not going to be universal everywhere, but I feel like if one manufacturer has already claimed a space, it prevents other manufacturers from setting up in that area too, unless it's a huge sort of like it's the King of Prussia Mall or something. Um, and so when those options are limited, then like how does how do electric vehicles really catch on at a more uh widespread level suddenly you're looking at your phone trying to find the nearest charger like the nearest electrify america or whatever and all of a sudden people are having their range anxiety exacerbated because they can only charge in certain places that aren't home and having to go out of their uh way to do all this like running around to get to where they need to be 
and then wait to charge. Uh, Rivian is a shell company set up by Toyota, so they don't have to assume any risk when a Toyota uh, when a Tacoma EV fails. That's an interesting theory. Um, I mean, I had read that one before. Uh, Super Sheets is hilarious. Look it up. It's a double sized Sheets for the sake of it. That doesn't surprise me. I, I'm if anything, the surprise is that there aren't more of them. Uh, many Rivian owners, I'm sure, can afford the refit to their single-family house. My guess, Rivian owner demographic skews to the suburban wealthy. Um, I, I would assume so. Um, but yeah, let's see. Uh, yeah, apparently... Uh, see it can be fixed with the dreaded r word regulation i i mean i guess like that's kind of always been the boogeyman of the auto industry the feeling that yeah gotta keep it regulated yeah. just people are afraid of having their company told that you're doing too much of a thing and now you can't do it or, Oh, you can do it, but you have to do it a certain way. And so, yeah, I guess people just generally shiver at the notion of regulation because people don't like doing things any other way, but their own. <laughs> Uh, Sean says Tesla is going to be the next standard oil if they do universal charging. Their cars don't have the head start that they had 10 years ago. Their charging network is the only part that's ahead of everybody else. Yeah, it's a fair point. As we get spammed here somehow. So, <laughs> uh, well, it's okay, because the time is now 8.30, and I'm going to be wrapping this up. So um, I wanted to thank you all so much for coming to hang out. For everybody that donated a super chat, no matter the amount, thank you so much. Anyone who asked a question um, sparked a conversation. Thank you. Um, new RCR stories on Monday. Uh, Spread the word, make sure everybody knows. And when it releases, uh, be sure to like it, comment, share it, subscribe. Um, thank you so much. And um, it will be made available as a podcast, but I'm going to let it stay up on YouTube for a couple of weeks before I do that. So, um, yeah. Ooh, life and death of a drive-in. Screenshot. Oh, whoops. Nope screenshot that's a good idea um so yeah thank you to everybody who donates to our patreon you allow us to exist as a much larger channel than we actually are and um thank you for your super chats thank you for watching the shows every monday uh with any luck i'll be able to replace betty at some point um but yeah i am so so just overwhelmed with how nice everybody is. So I hope you all have had a great week and have a great rest of your week and a great weekend to come and a great week after that. Um, 
And thank you. I, I say thank you way too much and somehow it still doesn't feel like enough. But either way, have a great night and I'll see you next time.